Amen. Hey, once again, we're on the topic of world religions, cults, and the occult. We are on the third topic, and that happens to rhyme with Islam. How many guys can say Islam? Hey, praise God, all seven of you, or eight or something, whatever. But anyway, that's right. We are once again uh, on that topic. Got a couple more weeks to go, Lord willing. History of Islam, we've already dealt with that. If you want to do a little recap, of course, uh, Islam means submission, and a Muslim is a submitted one. Submitted one to what? To the supposed vision that Muhammad got from this supposed angel, which, of course, has to make it sound biblical. So you pick a biblical angel, Gabriel, and it wasn't Gabriel. I'm sorry. It was a demon. It's a false teaching, false teaching. Satan is a liar and the father of all lies. So if something counters the scripture, i.e. God's truth, he is the only way. Where's the source? It's demonic. And we know that from the scripture. So we saw that. And again, that their whole background is based on warring and kidnapping and all kinds of unfortunate things that still continue on today. Then we took a look at the different uh, sections uh, of Islam. The Muslims, they don't even agree with themselves. There's different uh, sections, which by their own writing, the Quran is a synonym itself, division. We saw the major divisions, of course, with the Sunnis and the Shiites, but there's a bunch of uh, subcultures uh, as well. And again, it isn't just the Shiites that are considered the extremists. Lord willing, be here next week, because I got a video from their own camp that's going to expose, uh-uh, it ain't just a minority, it's the majority Okay, that's another myth that's out there. That's just a small minority that are doing these dirty deeds. No, that's what the Quran really teaches, and that's the majority. Now, last time we also we can, uh, continued on with the how are the Islam spreading around the world so fast? We saw certainly through population, the Islamization through the government schools and media, even here in the United States, but certainly around the world, and of course, unfortunately, annihilation. Okay, and that's what we saw last time was the problem with the beliefs. That's where we're there. If you were here last time, we looked at their beliefs on what are the core beliefs? What do you got to, what's your basic belief system you got to maintain, hold to, if you're going to uh, follow Allah and be a Muslim? Well, you got to understand the, what they say about Allah, that he's the supposed one and only God. Uh, number two, we saw about their version of the last day, their version of the angels, their version of what they consider as the scripture, and certainly the prophets, which, of course, they believe that Muhammad is great, greater than Jesus, then once again, they uh, denigrate Jesus. Now, the problem is, hey, if you want to believe that, hey, it's a free country, at least, maybe, sort of, in America nowadays, okay? But that's not, that's the problem. The problem is, listen, if, if somebody disagrees with us, what do we do? We love our enemies. We pray for those who persecute us, right? That's what Jesus did for us. It's what he wants us to do for others. What's their response? We're going to kill you. We're going to torture you. We're going to burn you. We're going to behead you. Remember that? That's what we saw last time. That's the problem with this belief system, folks. It's not just, well, okay, you just have a little belief system. That's to you, and oh, well, do your own thing. I, I can't let you do your own thing because your own thing involves killing me if I disagree with you, and it's serious stuff. Open your Bibles real quick. We didn't get to this last week. Revelation 20 Okay, if you look at the dictionary, take a left real quick. Uh, Revelation 20, uh, verse 4, and, and I didn't get to talk about it. We talked about, believe it or not, the evidence of beheadings are on the increase because this is what the Quran actually encourages and teaches, as well as burning and torturing, etc., blah, blah, okay? This isn't just some aberrant belief system that some minority is just pulling this out of thin air, and it's very unfortunate. No, this is what their sacred writings, the Quran, the Hadith, and the other writings, okay, of Muslim and the history of Islam. This is what they encourage, okay? But of all things for the scripture to uh, talk about, apparently in the last days, talking about the people uh, who were murdered during the seven-year tribulation, Okay, listen to what it says there in Revelation chapter 20. Okay, and uh, let's take a look there at uh, verse 4. It says there, I saw the thrones on which were seated those who had been given authority to judge. And I saw the souls of those who had been what? Beheaded because of their testimony for Jesus and because of the word of God. So 2,000 years ago when the Apostle John is writing this down under inspiration of the Holy Spirit, uh, apparently during the last days, another sign you know you're getting close is something's going to come back on the planet as a form of capital punishment. Not hanging, not injection by needles, right? Okay, what is going to be that form? Mentions it right there in the scripture. Beheading, and of all things for this religion to promote, and it's on the increase, even here in the United States, is what? The very thing that apparently is going to be used during the seven-year tribulation, okay? Very, very interesting. But that's what we saw with the beliefs tonight. Uh, we are going to get into the next issue. What do you got to do if you want to be a Muslim? What's their core belief system? Well, last week we saw, of course, their belief. This time we're going to look at their practice. And the practice is what is called basically the five pillars of Islam. And as we're going to see, there's actually technically six. Okay. And it's that sixth one that I think is leading us towards a last day issue. A little chrome theory I want to 
hopefully share with you if we can get that far. But let's take a look at the five pillars of Islam. What do you not only have to believe, but what do you have to do? Because again, once again, this is not the same thing as Christianity. That again is the lie of Christlam that's coming into the church, that you can somehow meld these two together. Is our relationship with Jesus based on our works? Do we get to heaven based on our works? Do we maintain our salvation by our works? No, right? Scripture is very clear about that. It's only the work of Jesus Christ, right? This is a workspace. You've got to believe the right stuff with it, but you've got to do the right stuff. And that's what we're going to talk about again tonight. There is no way these two uh, can meld uh, together. But let's take a look. The five pillars of Islam are the framework for the Muslim's life and discipline. Now, here's the whole point. Here's the pressure point, okay? Successful adherence to the pillars satisfies the will of Allah, okay? Remember the mysterious will of Allah, and somehow if you can do a bunch of stuff, and maybe he, I don't know, maybe he'll let you in, I don't know, right? They don't have eternal security. They never really know. But they form the basis for the Muslim's hope of what? Salvation. You got to do these things, that's works, to hopefully maybe how some way get there. That's not Christianity. Not even close, Okay, along with faith and belief in Allah's existence, this is what we saw last week, the authority of Muhammad as a prophet, okay, he's got to be number one, and the finality and the perfection of the Quran. The five pillars are thus. Let's take a look at number one. The first one is called the Shahada, okay, and that is the duty to recite the confession of faith. You and I, we would say that if we're going to, quote, lead somebody to Jesus, if they're going to become a Christian, bare minimum, scripturally, what do they got to do? They need to acknowledge that God is holy, that we are not, that he sent his son Jesus to live the perfect life in our place, that it's his work on the cross that is forgiveness for our sins, that satisfies the wrath of God, takes the punishment for what we deserve, that God raised him from the dead. Romans 10 says, what happens? You believe that? You confess that with your mouth? What? You are saved right? Here, if you will, the shahada, this is basically the profession that you have to make if you're going to become a Muslim. Let's take a look at this. And here's the declaration. They believe that you have to say this, there is no God but who? Allah. And that Muhammad is the prophet or messenger of Allah. That's it, right? But that's what you got to say, that phrase there. Sincerity of the voicing is your first blank there. Sincerity of the voicing of the confession is all that is necessary to become a Muslim. From that point on, you better get cracking. <laughs> you got to do all this stuff and hopefully maybe, I don't know, maybe you'll get there. I don't it's, Okay, it's a workspace. But this is where it starts, okay? The shahada, their, their profession, if you will, of faith. It must be held until death. And again, is that like Christianity? No, who keeps us? The Spirit of God. God keeps us, right? Anybody glad about that? Yeah, bingo. Okay, so again, how can you say this is the same thing with Christianity? How can they merge together? It's impossible, right? It is God who keeps us, right, unto the day of salvation. But you've got, if the pressure's on you, you've got to hold to this unto your death. And the repudiation, if you ever say anything contrary to this statement, the shahada, it nullifies your hope for salvation. You are doomed, okay? Lots of pressure. Now, the problem is, once again, this lie called Chrislam, there's actually people in the church that not only say that you can merge Islam and Christianity together, but I just got this, I was telling Mr. Tozier, just got this hot off the press from the East Coast from some friends out there, and they sneak into some of these bigger conferences that are going on there with the interfaith stuff and the world religion stuff, right? And so they always get some really cool inside scoop information. Well, what you're going to see is an audio clip, and I said, oh, are you serious? Did he really say that? And uh, it's Tony Campolo. And as we've seen before, unfortunately, he's already slid on the homosexual issue in the church, amongst other things. But he is now saying, because he's a big proponent of this Chrislam, you can all get together, not only that Allah of, of, of uh, Islam and Christianity are the same God, but this shahada here, this confession of faith, he's basically saying, be prepared to make this statement to save your neck as a Christian. You see, I wouldn't believe it either until I heard it with my own ears. Watch this hot off the press from the east coast a recent conference this is the kind of baloney that's being promoted in churches today because we all got to get along right let's take a look at this there is one God, Allah, and Muhammad is his prophet. Incidentally, you'd better learn that. 
because you saw what happened in Maui. Those who could recite that didn't get shot. So it'd be useful to learn that. Uh, there's one God, Allah, and the word Allah means God. So don't get upset. You're not being on, you're not worshiping a strange God. There's one God, Allah, and Muhammad is his prophet. Be sure to be ready to say that when they point the gun at you. You know, here's the thing. A, a, a lie is very useful. Or as my mother used to say, a lie is an abomination to God and a very present help in trouble. In the church just happened. Notice who they're going after, folks. You and I, we're not going to go along with that. Notice the people, and I'm warning you now, who they're going after. They're going after our youth. That was at a youth convention, Christian youth convention, okay? And they're brainwashing the high school and college-age students, and they're coming out with this, oh, yeah. And what they're doing is, you guys remember those days? Remember when you get out of high school, and, of course, you know it all, and mom and dad are dumb, dumb, right? And you're going to go conquer the world. And, and there's nothing wrong. You just need to get that energy steered in the right direction. You want to go out and make a difference and, and make your mark in the world. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's just you got to make sure it's the right way, and that's for Jesus, they're taking their energy, this is my theory, they're taking their energy, they're taking that young enthusiasm, and they're pointing it towards a global religion, and the Antichrist kingdom, and it's coming in the church. And they're just siphoning off that energy, the cream of the crop, okay, for the purposes of the evil one. It's absolutely satanic, but can you believe that? Be prepared to say, what did we see last week? Christians having their heads cut off, proclaiming Jesus Christ, refusing to denounce Jesus. And he's saying, you better prepare to compromise and say the Islamic profession of faith to save your neck. In the church, crazy, okay? But that's Chrislam. That's what's coming in the church, right? All religions, well, and we all know the end game is a one world religion, right? But this is what's coming to the church. Number two, this is what you got to do, okay? If you're going to be a Muslim, okay, and uh, so-called earn your way into heaven, but maybe you'll get there, maybe you won't, who knows? Uh, the duty to pray, okay, it's a lot. Muslims are required to say 17 prayers a day, and pray five specific times a day, preceded by ceremonial washing. The five times of prayer are before noon or sunrise, noon, mid-afternoon, sunset, and two hours after sunset. Now, the Muslim is required to pray facing where? Mecca. Okay, remember that? Uh, actually, uh, in our studies that uh, Muhammad used to pray towards Jerusalem, but he got mad at him, so then he switched it towards uh, Mecca. Okay, but they pray towards Mecca. Okay, specifically, and the specific formulas recited from the Quran in Arabic, along with prostrations, are included. That's why you typically see them in prayer. What are they doing? They're just down there flat, right? Prostrations. Why? Because what is Islam means? It means submitted one. Okay, a Muslim. Okay, prayer in this sense is an expression of submission. Is your next blank there? Submission to the will of Allah. And on Friday, why Friday? Because that's when uh, Muhammad supposedly did his first sermon. Okay, Muslims are required to meet in a mosque to pray, okay? Now, once again, let me show you the danger of this Christian. Did you know that many uh, Christian churches are removing the cross? And it's not just removing the cross. They're removing the cross because they don't want to offend the Muslim because we all got to come together. In fact, it's gotten so bad. Let me give you one example. This is uh, from Sweden. This church not only removed the cross, but the bishop there, who's a lady, which is a big issue in and of itself, amongst other things you'll see in a second, Okay, but they specifically are pointing people towards Mecca. This is crazy. This is in the news. Let's take a look at this one. I've got a story I want to tell you about a church in Stockholm, Sweden, called the Seafarers Church. It's a Christian church, of course, but its bishop, Eva Brun, wants to take down the crosses. Instead, she actually wants to mark the direction to Mecca so that Muslim migrants can use the church and pray to Mecca and not be offended by anything too churchy. It's a real story. Here it is in a Stockholm newspaper. The bishop says she wants the church to be more like a bus station or an airport with a non-denominational lounge, except that, of course, it would have directions pointing to Mecca, just no crosses. So by non-denominational, she really means to turn the church into a mosque. It's strange. I mean, Bishop Brun is a lesbian activist. Does she not know what Muslim fundamentalists due to uncovered women, let alone to lesbians? Does she think her half step towards turning her church into a mosque will end there? And the answer is? 
No, but once again, we saw that they'll even do anything like called lying, right? Remember that? Uh, to get the job done. They're encouraged to do that, okay? It's just absolutely crazy, but not, I mean, that's just a, that's a mouthful right there. Excuse me. First of all, a female bishop or pastor or whatever. Second of all, uh, I'm sorry, a homosexual or lesbian. Right? For those who are wondering, that's not a good noise. Whatever that noise is, okay? Uh, okay, and, uh, and then excuse me, you, you do that? It's just, it's absolutely crazy, okay? Now, the good news is there are Christians in Europe who aren't going along with this baloney, this Chrislam, we all can work together and create a one-world religion, baloney, blah, blah, blah. There are faithful Christians by the Spirit of God who are standing up in the face and being politically incorrect, proclaiming Jesus Christ. Here's one of them from Germany. Watch what she did. It was supposed to be an interfaith concert to bring Christianity and Islam together. But when the Muslim Imam began his call to prayer, he was interrupted by a small woman in the balcony proclaiming that Jesus Christ is Lord of Germany and saying, I break this curse. She also invoked the name of Martin Luther and warned the audience that what was happening was a lie. The video went viral and this mysterious Christian lady became known on the internet simply as the brave German woman. It happened at the Memorial Church of the Reformation in the Rhineland city of Speyer, built to honor Martin Luther. This isn't just a church. It's a monument to the Protestant Reformation and a memorial to the spiritual transformation of Germany as a nation. And it was at this spiritual landmark that a Muslim imam was invited to give the call to prayer in a concert when the brave German woman, whose real name is Heidi Mundt, heard about the event, she prayed. I was asking Jesus, I said, Lord, shall I go there? And I was, so you know, when I have to drive one and a half hours, so I think about, is it worth to go or can others go? And so this is, uh, <laughs> I think, a human laziness, yes. She grabbed her German flag emblazoned with the words, Jesus Christ is Lord, and she went to the concert, still not sure what she would do when she got there. Till the Imam started with his shouting, I did not really know what to do. I had my thoughts, but I was not sure. I was just prepared for what God wants me to do. Then the Muslim call to prayer began, and Heidi said she felt something rising up inside her. I would call it an holy anger. And then I rose my flag, and I was proclaiming that Jesus Christ is Lord over Germany. Jesus Christus allein ist Herr über Deutschland. Ich zerbreche diesen Fluch. And uh, by purpose, I broke this curse because he, uh, this Allahu Akbar, they say um, with it, only Allah is the Lord. Yeah, He is Lord, He is God, and the only God. And I broke this curse in this church, and I broke it over my country. And she repeated the words of Martin Luther in 1521, after he refused to recant his faith in scripture alone. Here I stand, I can do no other. Wow, take some guts. <clears throat> That's in uh, Germany, that's in Europe, as we already saw in our study, how bad it's getting over there. And folks, it's time to rise up. It's time to stand and speak God's truth in love. Or this stuff is just going to come in like a wave a whole lot faster. We've got to do something. Now, the good news is there are some people, believe it or not, here in the United States. Once again, it's another lady. My question is, guys, where are we at? Okay, but watch this lady here in the United States. It's some interfaith stuff. She speaks up. Jesus Christ died on that cross over there. He's the um, let me explain the call for the prayer. The, the call for the prayer, it is being done in, in, in Arabic, and I would like to thank the Dean and Reverend Jean for inviting us uh, today in this place, beautiful place of worship. <laughs> Prophet Muhammad. Islam will never dominate the United States, and by the grace of God, it will not dominate Texas. Woo, give it up for the Texas women. I tell you what, <laughs> got some spice. But, uh, folks, I'm telling you, we better speak up too in love. Doesn't mean I'd be nasty, but we need to counter this stuff. 
Okay, what dispels the darkness? Light. And we need to get busy, shun the light uh, for Jesus Christ. But that's the second thing that's going on there that you need to do, the second pillar. The third pillar, uh, as you can see there, the duty to give alms or the zakat. Now, we saw this is the trickery that's going on. This is basically the tax system, right, of, the, of Islam and, and the, the, what they're doing with the businesses. We saw over here with the government that if you want our oil money, what are they telling the big corporations? You need to pay this tax. In essence, what they do is they take American money and they support the Muslim Brotherhood and things of that nature. But that's this pillar here. The Quran teaches that giving of 140th or 2.5% of, of one's capital wealth to the poor and or for what? Saying, oh no, we're giving this to the poor. By and large, you know where it's going? Right here. What's the second one? And for the propagation of what? Islam. That's what it's uh, going towards. So the people who do this, even in a business arena, just to get their business, you're helping this to be propagated, okay? Number four, okay, the fourth pillar, the duty to fast, okay? During the course of the lunar month of Ramadan, now Ramadan is held in the ninth month of the Islamic calendar. Uh, this year, I believe it falls on like June 7th, okay? Uh, but it's Ramadan, uh, the month of fasting, and the fast is to be observed by every Muslim. This is what you gotta do. Remember, this is stuff you have to do in order to somehow, maybe some way, get saved. I don't know, maybe you will, maybe you won't anyway, but just give it your old good college try. Okay, but this is what it is. So uh, from sunrise to sunset, every Muslim, they're expected to refrain from eating during the daylight hours after sunset. Woohoo! Feasting and other celebrations then occur. The daylight hours are set aside for self-purification, supposedly, and the month is uh, uh, used to remember, okay, the whole month, the giving of the Quran to Muhammad. Now, our president uh, celebrates this on a regular basis, and uh, be sure to be here, not Lord willing, Next Wednesday, although next Wednesday you want to be here too. Uh, but we're going to deal more with the final issue. Uh, is our president a Muslim? Okay, we're going to take a look at the facts. And uh, that should be a hot, burning topic. Uh, but anyway, so that's one of the things that's going on there uh, with that. But now the problem with this is Ramadan. Okay, this is what it means. This is what they have to do uh, and things of that nature in order to maintain their salvation. This is the heart, uh, one of the, the key things to be a Muslim. Okay, let me just pose you to this question. Uh, you as a Christian, would you join in this fast? Why not? Right, well, Joey loves donuts. That, I guess, beats a sharp stick in the eye. But more importantly, we are to be separated from the lie. We are not to support this stuff, right? Scripture does talk about fasting, but we don't fast for the purposes of Islam and whatever Muhammad would want you to do, etc. blah, blah, blah. Okay, that's blasphemy. But churches are doing it. Again, let me give you another example of this Islam with Ramadan. They say, oh, it's just the same thing as Christian fasting. I don't think so. And let me give you one of the big culprits. I already peppered this with you guys, but uh, his name rhymes with Rick Warren. Okay, and the reason why you're getting uh, Chrislam, this mindset that you can't get together, is because unfortunately, with his influence, he's helping to propagate this. He's helping to become popular. Let me give you just some of that proof. Uh, Reverend Rick Warren, pastor of Saddleback Church in uh, Lake Forest, and one of America's most influential Christian leaders, has embarked on an effort to heal divisions between evangelical Christians and Muslims. Wait a second, what do you mean divisions? Of course there's divisions. One's true, one's not. How do you heal that? You can't heal that unless you compromise, and we're not called to compromise. So right there at the gates, what are you doing? Now, if you want to witness to them, hey, more power to you. I'm with you on that one. But what do you mean heal divisions? That's kind of strange. Between Christians, evangelical Christians and Muslims, by partnering with Southern California mosques and proposing a set of theological principles that include acknowledging that Christians and Muslims worship the same God. Is that true? No, I got a problem with that. How could you support that as a Christian, let alone as a pastor, period, ipso facto? Got a problem with that. Need to call it out. The effort, and here's the terminology that makes it, makes it sound, you know, you slap some Christianese on it and makes it all okay, right? And this program, trying to merge the two together, you can check it out yourself. It's called The King's Way. Well, it's got to be biblical. No, The King's Way. And it caps years of outreach between Warm and Muslims. Warren has broken Ramadan fasts at Mission Viejo Mosque. Would you do that? Then why is it okay for him to do that? Right? So he's already done that. And he's met with Muslim leaders abroad and addressed 8,000 Muslims at a national convention in Washington, D.C. We said, well, he's there to witness. No, because wait till you hear the agreement. Uh, Saddleback worshipers have invited. So now this is the church. Well, they're following their shepherd's lead and a bad lead. 
have invited Muslims to Christmas dinner and played interfaith soccer. Now, what was interfaith? Remember that from our final countdown studies? Interfaith, interfaithism, multiculturalism, those are all buzzwords for one world religion. Right? Interfaith soccer at a picnic in Irvine, attended by more than 300 people, and the game pitted the pastors and the imams, right? they joined up on one team, against the teens from both faiths. This is at their church. The teens won. Ooh. Uh, the men presented a document they co-authored outlining points of agreement between Islam and Christianity. What's their degree on? Right? The only thing that I could find that there is, if you will, an agreement on is if you look at Islam and if you spell the word Christianity, there's only two letters in the same ones, S and A. And I got a chrome theory and it means stay away. Okay, but anyway, that's all I get. <laughs> All right, but excuse me, the agreement between the two, it's absolutely crazy, okay? But the document affirms that Christians and Muslims believe in one God and share two central commandments, love God and love your neighbor. Really? So you love your neighbor by torturing them, burning them, and cutting their head off if you disagree. Got a problem with that. And I'm going to read with you, and this is in their own church service. It's got a picture of one of the PowerPoint slides explaining this King's Way thing. And it says this, the King's Way is described... Uh, describes a path to end the 1,400 years of misunderstanding between Muslims and Christians. What's there to misunderstand? What? Okay. And by consulting the text that we each call sacred. Well, wait a second. So now you're going to have the Bible and the Quran as your basis of coming to an understanding? Once You can't mix truth with error. Okay, and this is on the slide. In order to form a basis that allowed us the privilege to serve and meet the needs of our community. The document also commits both faiths to three goals. Making friends with one another, building peace, and working on shared social service projects. The document quotes side-by-side verses from the Bible and the Quran to illustrate these claims. Are you going to base anything you do as a Christian Anything you do. I don't care if it's going out and it's a, it's a fundraiser, if it's an evangelistic effort, or you're going out there to petition against the abortion clinics, whatever. Are you going to quote the Quran at anything? Then why is this acceptable? Okay? Now, here's the scary thing. Well, and this is what you always hear sometimes when he's confronted or other people in the church. Well, we're just out there to help him, and we're wanting to tell him about Jesus. And I quote, this is part of the document that they signed to agree to do. Quote, we agreed we would not try to evangelize each other. Well, there went that one. Now, which is ironic because you just told me that your, uh, the document affirms two central commandments. Love God and love your neighbor. Well, if you love God, you do what he says, right? What's God say to do? The Great Commission, go out and share all the world. Or is it all the world except for Muslims? The gospel. So right there, you're not loving God because you're not obeying what he said. Number two, you say you're going to love your neighbor? What kind of a neighbor is that? Is Islam the way to heaven? No. So these people are on a false path. And you're supposed to be my friend who supposedly loves me enough to keep your mouth shut while I go to hell, and you know the way out? Got a problem with that. Okay, that's not the kind of friends I want. Right? Rick Warren was instrumental in the creation of the sign of what's called the Yale Covenant, if you want to check that out too, between Islam and Christianity. And let me just read to you a portion of the preamble of that covenant. As members of the worldwide Christian community, we were deeply encouraged and challenged by the recent historic open letter signed by 138 leading Muslim scholars, clerics, and intellectuals around the world. It's called a common word between us and you. It identifies some core common ground between Christianity and Islam. Again, all I could find was stay away. Okay, <laughs> whatever. Uh, which lies at the heart of our respective faiths, as well as at the heart of the most ancient Abrahamic faith, Judaism. Uh-oh. So now you're incorporating the three monotheistic religions in the world, Islam, Christianity, and Judaism. Why? We'll get to that hopefully in a second. We want to begin by acknowledging that in the past, many Christians have been guilty of sinning against our Muslim neighbors. What? Anybody out there? Please say no. You ruined my whole sermon. Beheaded anybody lately? No, with all due respect. What? What's with this? It's always this apologetic of everything we do as Americans or as Christians. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Okay, and if you're talking about the Crusades, excuse me, the history of the Crusades originally was raised up to stop the Muslim invasion. Number one, 
Number two, there were abuses with the Crusades, if you study that. But guess who did that? It wasn't Christians. That was the Roman Catholic Church. And if you study the deal, they didn't kill just uh, uh, Muslims. They killed Jewish people and Christians. So I'm not going to apologize for something I didn't do and something the Scripture says not to do. Don't get snookered by that. But here, once again, apologize for that. Right? Come groveling at your feet. Now, listen, listen to this. Before we, quote, shake your hand in responding to your letter, we, listen to this, this is from the Christian side. We ask forgiveness, supposedly of all these sins that we committed against them. We ask for forgiveness, listen to their words, of the all-merciful one. Not Jehovah, not God, not Jesus Christ. Why was it all-merciful one? That's the phrase for all of. All-merciful one and of the Muslim community around the world. That's their covenant. And there's a new uh, group out there that's being promoted in churches across America, and it's called this. It's called Faith Shared. Can I supplant that for you? Promote one world religion. Okay? And listen to this. Uh, they are merging Christianity, Islam, a bunch of other religions, one world religion. Ask houses of worship across the country to organize events involving clergy reading from each other sacred texts. I had this happen to me uh, in my first senior pastor in Northern California. I had the, the, uh, the Methodist church had just hired a new pastor. He was from Palestine, and uh, he came over there, and first weekend, he says, man, we got to get together. I said, okay, let's get together, right? And we got together for lunch, uh, met at his place, and he's, he's there up in their little fellowship hall there in the Methodist church facilities, and he's whooping up this cheese sandwich thing, whatever, and I'm going, man, I can't wait to go get a burger, but anyway, so I'm just being kind, listening to the guy, and right out of his gates, you know what his big thing was? I just wanted to let you know, Pastor Billy, while we're here, and I think it's very important, it's his first week there, right? He says, I believe that you and I have something we need to do. We need to get together with the, there was one Catholic church uh, in that small community, and there was one small charismatic church, and we all need to get together because, you know, we're all brothers, and we all need to pray, and what? Bye. Last time I worked with that guy. Sorry, buddy, you're promoting the one world religion. This has been going on for quite some time, folks. But it's now getting mainstream because, again, who are they starting? They're taking the youth. They're taking their energy. They're taking their desire to make change in the world, and that's all fantastic. But they're taking their energy, and they're ripping them off, and they're using that enthusiasm and energy and drive, and, which is a good desire. Change the world, but change it for Jesus. Any other change is not lasting. Any other change is a lie. Being used to promote a one-world religion, a one-world economy, a one-world government, and all that baloney is supporting the Antichrist kingdom. Why would you want to spend your energy on that? But people are getting sucked up into this, okay? But that's what they do. So an example would be, they say, a Christian minister, a Jewish rabbi, and a Muslim imam. Once again, the three monotheistic religions. Okay, participating in a, a service or event. Suggested readings will be provided from the Torah, the Gospels, and the Quran. So that's what they want you to read during that service. Now, why is it the Torah for the Jewish, okay, and the, specifically just the Gospels for the supposed Christian? Because what are the ones that uh, Islam say they support? The Torah and the Gospels, right? It, it won't offend them, right? Okay, even though they believe that they're corrupted anyway, and they just go back to the Quran. We saw that last week. We will also provide suggestions on how to incorporate this program into your, quote, regular worship services. So this isn't just an annual event. This is how they want you to do services. Like, what was that Seafarers Church? What was their idea? We just come one, come all. Nobody's offended. And what's the phrase? You just got to love. Yeah. And what kind of love is it? I'm sorry. That if... You say you love somebody, but they're going to the wrong way to heaven, which means they're going to hell, and you keep your mouth shut. Is that really love? That's horrid. That's hatred. Okay? But even that's getting twisted uh, today. But anyway, that's, that's that aspect. Number five, the duty to make a uh, pilgrimage. Okay, all Muslims who are financially and physically able are required to make a journey as a pilgrim to Mecca at least once in their lifetime. The pilgrim must wear a simple white garment which eliminates distinctions of class or status and stresses the notion of equality before God. Remember we saw last week, absolutely horrific teaching. It's still being promoted today that uh, with the Muslim men, if they rape a woman, etc., whatever, it's, it equates to the same thing, you know, uh, as making a pilgrimage, you know, I guess save some cash. It's just, it's sick, okay? But anyway, this, but they promote that because... This is what you got to do. It's works-based salvation, which is not salvation. 
All right, another element of their uh, pilgrimage is the mandatory walk. We saw this the very first study of each pilgrim seven times around the Kaaba, the shrine of the Black Rock, the holy site of Islam. Muhammad taught that the Kaaba was the original place of worship for Adam and later for Abraham. The Kaaba uh, is thus venerated as the site of the true religion, the absolute monotheism, okay, of Islam. So what is monotheism? Well, it's two words, mono meaning one, the, the, um, the theos, which means God, that there is one God. There are three monotheistic religions on the planet. And that is, again, what we've been seeing with this one world religion push. Christianity, only one God, right? Islam, only one God. All oh, it's false, but that's what they believe. And Judaism, right? Only one God, Jehovah, okay? Now, the problem is the Pope is going around the planet, and he is now working on a global basis, drawing all the monotheistic religions together here's just one of his trips to israel he's drumming everybody together let's take a look pope francis on the final day of his middle east trip prayed and laid a wreath at jerusalem's holocaust museum he visited the grave of the father of modern israel theodore herzl met with the two chief rabbis of jerusalem and paid courtesy calls on the israeli president and prime minister Earlier, the Pope met with the Grand Mufti of Jerusalem at the Haram el-Sharif, saying a visit to the Holy Land would not be complete without such a meeting. I make a heartfelt plea to all people and to all communities who look to Abraham. May we respect and love one another as brothers and sisters. Rabbi Arthur Schneier from the United States praised the Pope's visit. Unfortunately, there are those religious leaders who seek to divide them. The fact that the Pope is here visiting Israel and also the fact that the Bartholomew, the economical patriarchs here, is really a milestone in interfaith relations. On Sunday evening, Pope Francis met with Eastern Orthodox leaders at the Church of the Holy Sepulchre, on the site where many believe Jesus Christ was crucified. Patriarch Bartholomew, the spiritual leader of the world's Orthodox Christians, lamented racial discrimination and religious extremism in contemporary society. In the face of such conditions, love the others, the different others, the followers of other faiths and other confessions. Did you notice that? That was an olive tree. They're planting that and symbolizing peace. And, and I think the Antichrist is getting ready to combine water it and make sure it grows really good because he's wanting it to happen real soon. So he can, what? All religions, right? And he's, he's starting with the monotheistic religion. But that's not all. He wants all religions, okay? And I told you, this is the video that I shared uh, at Winnipeg when I was up there preaching in Canada uh, right after the Pope's visit here to America. And I'm back up in my room scrambling because this happened the day after uh, uh, I, I, uh, the day after this happened, I was preaching on this topic. So I'm, man, you got to be kidding me. What are the odds of this? So this is the video that I showed, okay, that I came across when the Pope came here to America. You tell me if he's not working on getting all religions under his umbrella. This was done at Ground Zero, at 9-11, an interfaith prayer. All religions coming together as one. Let's take a look. Rather today in this hard ground, we ask you, your goodness, to give eternal light and peace to all who died here. Sahanao bunaktu sahabiryam karavavahi. May God protect us. May God nourish us. May we work together. Namo Buddhaya Jayang Verang Pasavati. Victory begets enmity. The, de the defeated dwell in pain. Nake Sadepeston Sachon Ore Sabko. That truth is above everything, and the highest deed is truthful living. Makari Iptohito Pnevmati. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn. Grant us to live with the salutation of peace. 
and lead us to your abode of peace. Get, get me, excuse me, and who are they using once again? The youth. They're suckering the youth with this wonderful candy coated mess. Can't we all just get along? Let's just steal your energy to build the Antichrist kingdom. Absolutely cunning. That's what the scripture talks about. Uh, say, now, lest you think that the Pope is really serious about this, folks, this just came out, okay, from the Vatican. And this is his monthly prayer, okay, encouraging all people to come together, and it's all about building a global religion. Let's take a look. La mayor parte de los habitantes del planeta se declaran creyentes. Esto debería provocar un diálogo entre las religiones. No debemos dejar de orar por él y colaborar con quienes piensan distinto. Confío en Buda. Creo en Dios. Creo en Jesucristo. Creo en Dios. Allah. Muchos piensan distinto, sienten distinto, buscan a Dios o encuentran a Dios de diversa manera. En esta multitud, en este abanico de religiones, hay una sola certeza que tenemos para todos. Todos somos hijos de Dios. Creo en el amor. Creo en el amor. Creo en el amor. Creo en el amor. Confío en vos para difundir mi petición de este mes. Que el diálogo sincero entre hombres y mujeres de diversas religiones conlleve frutos de paz y justicia. Confío en tu oración. Nope, you guys are just one of those wacky conspiracy theorist churches. There's no evidence of the Pope trying to get all the religions to come together on the planet under the head of the Vatican. Excuse me? How do you get even clearer than that? He's getting even more bold as time goes on, folks, and more blunt, okay? Now, here's the problem, and here's where I'm going to get, and believe it or not, I think it believes it has to do with this sixth pillar, okay, that is built into Islam. You got a problem on your hands, right? You got monotheistic religions, right? New Agers, they'll go along with this, right? Because it's all religions, right? Hinduism, they'll go on because they believe in many different gods, right? Many, quote, religions on the planet will go along with the one world religion. But the three stumbling blocks are the monotheistic religions. No, there's only one way. It's not many ways. You can't come under this umbrella. And that's who? That's Christianity. That's Islam and Judaism, okay? Well, he's got a big problem on his hand. How in the world are you going to create a one world religion when you got these three stumbling blocks? Ah, I believe you need a crisis, And I believe that crisis is built into the false teaching of Islam. And that crisis that's going to become, that's it. We will, we're going to get rid of all extremists because we will never do this again. And that crisis is the sixth one that's called a jihad. Let's take a look at that right there. Uh, the, the holy struggle or jihad, okay. Uh, many Muslims believe that jihad is the sixth pillar of their faith. Uh, one hadith, the sayings of Muhammad, describes it second only to belief in God. So really it's, much higher up there, okay? Jihad is the belief that the Muslims should engage in a holy struggle to preserve what? Islam. I ain't going to go along with this from the Pope, one world religion, against non-Muslim beliefs. While Orthodox Muslims consider jihad a literal, even military struggle against unbelievers, some more liberal scholars interpret it as a spiritual struggle. Very, 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 very small minority. Again, we'll see the proof of that the other day. Both the wording of the Quran, though, and the militaristic life of Muhammad favor an emphasis on the literal understanding of jihad, and that's what we saw last week. Give me a break, right? This is not some aberration. This is really what uh, the true Muslim is taught. Okay, let's take a look at a couple verses. Fight, what's the word there? Fight against such those who have been given the scripture and believe not in Allah nor the last day. O ye who believe, take not the Jews and Christians is your blank there for friends. Wait a second. So why are you chumming up with me? What we saw was one of the practices. The tequila, I'll lie through my teeth. You know, I'll act like your friend, but you're not really my friend because eventually I'm going to take over. 
right? But they're encouraged to not take you and I, the Jewish person, as our friends. They are friends, they say, of one another. He among you who takes them as, uh, for friends is one of them. Lo, Allah, God hath not wrongdoing folks. O prophet, exhort the believer to fight, is the word again. If there be of you 20 steadfast, they shall overcome 200 who disbelieve, because they are folk without intelligence. Those who do believe do battle, for the cause of Allah, and those who disbelieve do battle for the cause of idols. So fight the minions of the devil, which would be you and I. So built into this system is if anybody not just disagrees, but certainly if anybody says, oh, you're going to have to go along with a one-world religion, all paths lead to heaven, what are they going to declare? Jihad. No way. Now, I'm not condoning it, but this is what they believe. Now, here's my deal. How in the world is the Pope going to mandate a one-world religion, right? Well, again, you create a crisis, you can manage the outcome. And what if you had some sort of religious global crisis on your hands that was really horrific? Let's say that if all of a sudden this, this religious teaching that was very violent and literally tortured people and burned them and cut their heads off was released all over the planet, even in America, what if it was actually even encouraged that these countries speed the process up through immigration and let them spread all over the place? And then something triggers their belief system in this aspect of jihad, and they literally, even in the United States of America, go on a killing spree. What would happen? Not only would you have martial law in the United States on a global basis, all the world, I'm just sharing with you a chrome theory, I'm not saying thus saith the Lord. But as I see things wind up, looking at it, okay, martial law, but after the dust settles and you exterminate these extremists, which everybody's going to say, oh yeah, absolutely, then that will be your excuse, that's it, we will never do this again. You know what we need? We need a united nations of religions. We need a global headquarters to oversee religions so that this kind of extremism never happens again. Bingo. You just snookered the whole planet into creating what the Bible said in the last days is a one world religion. Now, that is actually happening. Now, remember, it's not just Islam who's monotheistic. Who else is there? Christianity. And this is what I've been watching, folks, happen ever since 9-11. How are you going to get rid of Christianity? Because we're not going to go along with it. John 14, 6, Jesus is the only way. I'm not going along with this. What are you going to do? You've got to turn us into the bad guys. You've got to turn us into the extremist as well so you can have another excuse to round us up. Here's what I've been watching taking place ever since uh, 9-11. I think it has to do with creating a one-world religion in the last days, right? Remember, you got your three stumbling blocks, Islam, Christianity, and Judaism, They'll never, right? So how are you going to do it? Well, Islam right now is being split down the middle, okay? The true Muslim, what we've been studying about, which I'm not condoning, who believes all this stuff, who's encouraged the jihad and the beheadings and the horrible torture and treatment, okay? They're being called the bad Muslim, right? The extremist. What's the word? Right-wing extreme Fundamentalist, right? bad Muslim. Then they're taking the fake Muslims, which is a very small minority, who, as we saw even in the video clips, will go along with the one world religion, and the media is saying they're what? They're good. So what now they're saying is, it's not just that you got a dichotomy, okay, but we need to exterminate the who? The, the bad ones. They're the true ones, but they're saying they're bad, and we need to get rid of them. And they're saying the good ones are the real ones, and these are the true Muslims we need to encourage well it's all a lie i'm not condoning what they do but those guys are the true ones but now you got your excuse to get rid of them and replace them supplant them with a fake one so i believe islam in name only will continue on in the seven-year tribulation under the umbrella of the one religion aha you got rid of your first monotheistic religion right because a true global religion means all religions so you can't get rid of these but somehow you got to figure out how to incorporate them this is i think what's happening now the second one is guess who you and I. And the same thing's been happening to the church for a couple decades at least. They're taking you and I, the true Christian, the evangelical Christian, they're saying that we're what? Bad, because we have the audacity to say that Jesus is the only way. I didn't say that, he did. And then, of course, now we have the audacity to disagree on moral issues like homosexuality and other things. Oh, we're bad. Uh, uh, right? And we speak up against you know, our government and stuff like that. Uh, okay. Then they're taking the fake Christian, the, the ones that we saw like on the videos, the liberal Christian, which is not Christianity, and then they're saying they're the good ones. And what are they saying? They're using the same terminology on you and I. And this has been going on ever since 9-11. What are we? We're not just evangelical Christians. We're what? Right-wing fundamental extremists. The exact same propaganda that's being used on the Muslims are being used on you and I today. And you don't think we're next? 
Okay, it's the same ploy. Then they're taking the fake ones and they're saying these are the real Christians, you know, who go along with homosexuality and whatever moral decay that we want to come up with and everybody's just got to love one another and support this global. They're saying they're the true Christians. So I believe Christianity in name only will continue on in the seven-year tribulation. Okay, now that leaves with who? Judaism. And who is the big major piece of focus in the seven-year tribulation with God? The Jewish people. And the Jewish people are also going to have their own split. Now, they don't start off with a very good spiritual state, as we know even today, because they actually strike a deal with the actual Antichrist, Daniel 9.27, the seven-year peace treaty, and that's what starts the seven-year tribulation. Three and a half years up into that, he goes into the rebuilt temple, declares himself to be God, and then that's when they go, oh, no, man, did we blow? We got snookered, right? And they get their own division, but their division is much worse. Two-thirds versus one-third. Two-thirds, Zechariah says, is going to be hunted down by the Antichrist and exterminated. One-third will be sovereignly protected by God, okay, by the archangel Michael, and they just got to hang on for 1,260 days the second half of the seven-year tribulation because God's not done with the Jewish people, okay? But you can see, put all this together, all these pieces are being put into place. We not only see evidences, okay, of a global religion being pushed on the planet, even by the Vatican themselves, Okay, and that's very easy, but even the methodology to get rid of your three stumbling blocks is already being put into play, and it's making great headway. I personally believe that it's this jihad issue, and all the Muslims, the population, all the world, you declare a global jihad, you got this major mega crisis, once the dust settles, you got your aha excuse. (laughs) Never again. And even though maybe in that first excuse with Islam, we weren't put into that, you can be rest assured that we'll start to be lumped into it because we're extremists too. And our world will be conditioned to start hunting you and I down. And what did Jesus say in the last days? All nations will hate you because of me. We're getting really close to that. Okay? But what I want to say is the, the question, are Christians, is it really that bad? Are Christians, you and I, really being called extremists? fundamentalists, right-wing terrorists, dangerous to our country, just like the Islamic terrorists. Yes, if you're watching the news, folks, the propaganda is already started. Let me give you some of that uh, proof tonight. Those attacks, okay? That is widespread. And if you take radical Islam and you want to talk about what's going on there, you have to... And just one second, radical Christianity is just as threatening as radical Islam. In a country like America, where we have a separation of church and state, we're a democracy. We're not, we're not bombing ourselves. Her exact quote was, Rosie O'Donnell, uh, what was it, about two months ago, she said, radical Christianity is just as threatening as radical Islam. Mm-hmm. And in the last hour, we received an email from somebody who said, uh, you seem to forget that in the land of radical Islam, Rosie, the woman, the lesbian, would either be hung or stoned to death. That's in the world point. of radical Islam, there would be no view, no show with independent, opinionated women. Most of the domestic groups that we have to pay attention to here are white supremacist groups. They're anti-government, in most cases uh, anti-abortion. They are usually survivalist type in nature, identity oriented. Those groups are um, groups that claim to be extremely anti-government and um, Christian identity oriented. The separation of church and state is fundamental to American life. But what about the separation of church and military? A new report by a national security expert says that fundamentalist Christianity is rampant in the U.S. armed forces and that military leaders overtly promote evangelical Christianity. Uh, You actually have a system that actually is creating religious fundamentalists, and that's what's concerning to me. Sarah Primrose says the only question that needs to be asked is do these fundamentalist beliefs and associated behavior compromise our missions abroad? If yes, we must discourage or ban the encouragement of the spread of this brand of Christianity in the military. What we are learning about the religious beliefs of this militia group makes them seem a little bit like a, like a cult, like a standalone religious oddity. But, but some of the things that they're obsessed with, fighting the Antichrist, avoiding the mark of the beast, the pre-tribulation rapture, all this stuff, this isn't a set of beliefs that is specific to this one cult. These beliefs are actually sort of characteristic of a broader movement, aren't they? Andre Kudrescu, a commentator for the program All Things Considered, mocked a Christian pamphlet about the doctrine of the rapture, the ascension into heaven. Quote, the evaporation of four million people who believe in this crap would leave the world a better place. Um, the young man, Faisal Shahzad, in Times Square, who tried to blow 
innocent people that he doesn't know of. These guys are acting on conviction. Somehow, the idea got into their minds that to kill other people is a great thing to do and that they would be rewarded in the hereafter. But, but, but Christians do that every single day in this country. Do they blow people up? Every yes, all up Christians every day. One more yeah. point. I mean, Christian Timothy McVeigh was a Christian. Just saying. He was well, there have been, you know, there have been a lot of horrifying... Listen, there, 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 there have been a lot of monster Christians. Yeah. Hitler was a Christian. At... Technically, I'm not so sure. Well, he didn't like the Catholics. Wow. you got to be kidding me. But notice what it is. We are, it's the same terminology that's being used. So if the Muslim community does say jihad and they do some horrible things, you know what I think is going to be the roundup excuse for us? A true born-again Christian would never be a part of that behavior, number one. But the media won't present it that way. They're already calling us just as dangerous as Islamic terrorists. So I'm waiting for a false flag event that will be blamed on the evangelical Christian fundamentalist. And there you have your excuse to come round us up as well. Propaganda's already started. Now, there was a lie there, shocker, uh, not just on that program, The View, shocker, but in the media, triple shocker, okay, uh, that Timothy McVeigh was a Christian. No, you do the research, he was not. He was an agnostic. This is all in print. He admitted it. He said that science was his God. He didn't believe in hell, etc. But they just keep spouting this baloney off. But speaking of Timothy McVeigh, one of my trips in Oklahoma City, I've been waiting for two years to share this photograph, and we're going to close. Uh, I went to the Oklahoma bombing museum that they have there at the federal building that was blown up uh, there with McVeigh, whatever, that they said was a Christian, but he wasn't. Anyway, and so I went there and I did the tour, and it was kind of cool. It was very sad and horrible, all the lives that were destroyed and lost and kids, and it was just horrific. And, but right there, our taxpayer dollars, okay, right under the glass, it started talking about who is a hate group. Couldn't believe my eyes. Quickly pulled out my cell phone, snapped this photograph. And I know you can't see this, but let me read it, okay? If you get the video, you can see it'll come out clear. But basically, this is what was in that museum under glass. And it was talking about who's considered a hate group. You know, the people we've got to get rid of who are dangerous, okay? And it says that hate groups exist throughout the history of the United States and the world, and they typically call for the elimination of races or groups of people that overthrow governments, okay? In the early 1990s across the United States, hate groups are categorized as Ku Klux Klan, neo-Nazi, skinheads, Christian identity. And then down here below, it says, activities of hate groups include the following. Marches, rallies, speeches, meetings, leafletting, publishing literature, and criminal acts. Excuse me, I could see criminal acts. But if I just go be part of a march, if I speak up at a rally, if I just give a speech, if I hand out a pamphlet, and you don't like what I say, I'm a hate group? This is in that building that they're saying Timothy McVeigh was a Christian and how many millions of people walked through that and they saw what I saw and they're being brainwashed and thinking that you and I, the evangelical Christian identity, are dangerous. And they're feeding that into these people so that when you have your own false flag event that you could blame on the Christian, what is our populace going to cry out for? The same thing that they're crying out with the quote, Muslim terrorists, go get them. We'll never do this again. We need to rise together and have a one world religion. Hey, you know, it's almost like we're living in the last days and it's time to get motivated. All right, let's, let's close in prayer. Well, hi, this is Pastor Billy Crone of Sunrise Baptist Church and Get a Life Ministries. And I hope you enjoyed today's study. But in closing, before you go, let me ask you one final question. If you were to die today, are you sure that you go to heaven and not hell? You see, here's the problem. The Bible says that nobody automatically gets to go to heaven, and that's because God is holy and we are not. The Bible says that the wages of our sin or our unholiness or the wrong things that we have done have separated us from God. And the wages of our sin or unholiness uh, means that we deserve to die and receive God's judgment to go to hell and not heaven. In other words, we're disqualified for heaven. And that's because God being holy and us being not, the two cannot mix. So what are we going to do? Well, that's bad enough. The other problem is we don't even want to admit this dilemma, even though God already knows it all. And so out of love, God gave us something called the Ten Commandments 
to show us that we're really disqualified for heaven. We're not holy, we're not perfect like him. Uh, let's take a, a look at just a few of those uh, here today. Uh, the Bible says, the Ten Commandments says, you shall not bear false witness. That means lying. How many of you have ever told a lie before? Well, those of you who didn't raise your hand, you just did. Okay, let's be honest, folks. Let's not tell another lie. We've all lied. Well, believe it or not, that disqualifies you for heaven. That's how holy God is. He is the truth. He does not lie. And so that makes us a liar. Another of the Ten Commandments says you shall not steal. Okay, how many have ever taken anything without permission? Well, all of our hands should have went up at that one. Uh, we've already said we're a bunch of liars. Okay, well, we've all done that. And it doesn't have to be a bank. Uh, it could be a pencil in the third grade. Uh, that means that we're a thief, okay? The Bible says that God is so holy, even his name is holy. And that's why one of the Ten Commandments says, you shall not use the Lord's name in vain. Hey, folks, isn't it ironic how uh, now the blessed name of Jesus Christ, the Bible says there's no other name under heaven by which men might be saved, Jesus Christ, has now become a cuss word? Folks, the Bible says that's the sin of blasphemy, okay? And folks, let's be honest, we've used God's name in vain uh, before. The Bible also says in the Ten Commandments, you shall not commit adultery. And Jesus takes the standard even higher. He says, listen, it's not just physical adultery. He says, surely I tell you that if you look at another person with lust in your eye, you've committed adultery in your heart. God looks at the heart. One more out of the Ten Commandments says, you shall not murder. And you might say, well, hey, I haven't done that one. Really? The Bible says that the sin of hatred is akin to the sin of murder. You, in other words, in your heart, wish they were dead. You pulled the trigger, if you will, in your own heart. And the Bible says God sees that and it's just as bad. He knows the mind. He knows the hearts, the thoughts, and the intents that we have. Folks, that's just five out of the Ten Commandments. How are you doing? Not very well. None of us can keep them. They're God's x-ray to show us that we're disqualified. And so when, not if, your time comes, because we're all marching towards the grave at different speeds, you're going to have to stand before God. And you're going to have to uh, say who you really are. He already knows. Hey, God, let me into heaven. Uh, I'm, I'm a liar. I'm a thief. I'm a blasphemer, adulterer, and a murderer. Folks, the Bible is clear. Such people as these will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. That's the problem. Here's the good news. God so loved the world that he sent his one and only begotten son, Jesus Christ, that whoever believes in him, what he did on the cross, on our behalf, that we will not perish, we will not go to hell, but he will give us the gift of eternal life. Jesus died on the cross to forgive us of all of our sins. It's something that we don't earn, we, we, we can't earn. It's a gift, the Bible calls it, and a gift cannot be earned. He was taking the death penalty in our place. That's what the cross was of the day. And that if we would just ask Jesus Christ to forgive us of our sins and believe that in our heart that God raised him from the grave, showing that his death is satisfactory to God to forgive us of all of our sins, no matter what we've done, the Bible says we shall be saved. Uh, the Apostle Paul says that if we confess with our mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the grave, we will be saved. Let me give you a common analogy of what God's doing and what he did for us with Jesus dying on the cross on our behalf. Uh, in life, we know that people uh, can be sentenced for a crime uh, to where they're actually on death row. Uh, the courtroom scene has completely finished. The gavel has already sounded. Uh, they are going to jail and they're just awaiting their time before they go to the death penalty. Uh, as they're sitting there in the jail cell, uh, it, it's a proven fact they did what they did. Everybody knows it. They're just waiting for that time for their uh, number to come up, so to speak, and walk down that hall and be executed. Uh, there's nothing they could do to reverse their crime. No amount of good works in that jail cell can reverse what they've done. It's too late. It's over. But believe it or not, there's one way that people even today can get off a of death row. And that's if the one in authority, the governor, if he were to, out of mercy and kindness, nothing that the person did, because they don't earn it and they don't deserve it, and they can't earn it. If he would grant them what's called a pardon, out of the kindness of his heart, he has the authority to grant them a pardon and absolve them completely of their crimes uh, against the state. And did you know that there's actually been people that this has happened to, that the governor, out of mercy, has granted them a pardon, 
as a gift and they've gone down to the jail cell and handed that person, extended it through the bars, here, I'm granting you a pardon. If you would just receive it, you can go free right now. And did you know that there's actually been people who've said, no, I don't want your pardon. And so what happened is of their own doing, even though they had a way out, they still had to go to the death penalty. Folks, can I tell you something? That's what God did for us with Jesus dying on the cross. He sent his son to take the death penalty in our place. He, God, has the authority to grant us through Jesus a complete pardon. And every day that you're still alive, God is extending to you spiritually this pardon. But a pardon does you no good unless you reach out and receive it by faith. Won't you do that today? Won't you call upon the name of Jesus Christ? Ask him to forgive you of all of your sins, to trust in his work on the cross, to pardon us from all of our crimes, our sins against God. God loves you. He wants a relationship with you. But there's only one way to heaven. It's Jesus. There's only one way to get off a death row. It's through the cross of Jesus Christ. Won't you do that right now? Well, this has been Pastor Billy Crone of Sunrise Baptist Church and, and Get a Life Ministries. And if there's anything that we can do for you, uh, please don't hesitate uh, to contact us. Uh, our number, our information will uh, come up here on the screen shortly. And uh, uh, if there's anything we could do for you, please don't hesitate to let us know. Uh, thank you for uh, joining us. And uh, remember, I hope to see you in heaven. God bless.